sjspr.radio Schoolhouse Media Listen up This is the Voices of SJS Podcast Hi everyone, welcome to Voices of SJS I'm your host, Christina Villalong, proud St. John's alumni, class of 1996. I think I just dated myself. Um, and then today we have three guests with us. We have two senior girl leaders who I'm excited to interview and one of her fathers who happens to be her mentor as well. We have Isabel Ramsayer, founder of BAB, Giamar Ramos, founder and program leader of Girl Innovation, and Juan Carlos Ramos, dad and mentor of Girl Innovation. So welcome, everyone. Nice to have you here. Hi, everybody. Hi, thank you for having us. Hi, thank you. Isabel, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about BAB. How did it get started? So thank you for the question. Um, in 2017, after Hurricane Maria, Um, I remember sitting at my, in my house and, um, it was, you know, after, after the hurricane had just passed and maybe a couple days after that, I noticed a ton of bees just flying everywhere. And I kept seeing ads on the news of the importance of putting plates with water and sugar outside. And I was, I had this curiosity and I was like, why do I have to Why do I have to do that? I mean, what's the significance of that? And so I did my research and I realized that 80% of the bee population had died caused by Hurricane Maria. And I was just astounded by that number. And so I kept doing more and more research. And that's when I realized and I finally understood all of these global movements of saving bees and protecting them that I realized that I wanted to do something here in Puerto Rico and, you know, help and edu educate and um, bring awareness about the importance of bees. That's awesome. And so, so you started this program and, and I think I've seen like, there's even some products now that you're making. Yes. Right. So like you turned it into a business opportunity. Yeah, we did. So I think a couple months into, after launching the, the initiative, We came up with the idea of selling and creating these bee products. So we have soaps, chapstick, diffusers, and we've really grown. We've, we have now other, other types of products. And the purpose of those products is when someone, a customer, you know, buys them and takes them home every time they either smell it or they see it they're reminded of the importance of bees and they're reminded of the initiative. So that was sort of the purpose of these soaps and also to gain profit for the scholarship program here in St. John's. And tell me, what happens if we don't have any bees? So during my research after um, Maria, I actually came across a quote by Albert Einstein. And he said that if the whole global population of bees were to completely vanish or die, we would have, us humans and life, would have only three years left. Meaning that it's, I, I like to see it as sort of a cycle. So the bee pollinates, 
you know, the plant, and then you have maybe a cow eating that that plant, or um, it's basically their food, and then we eat the cow. So it's this this full cycle. We all need bees and their and their work and their pollination, and it's a huge, huge aspect of of our life that a lot of us don't really realize. Are you a fan of Bee Movie? <laughs> well, um, I actually had a conversation with um, one of the professors I work with. His name is Professor Bert Rivera Marchan, mm-hmm. and we were kind of laughing about it because it's so inaccurate. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, the male is the worker bee in that sense, but in reality, the female is the worker bee. You know, us females and bees—they're the ones who actually get the work done, and then the the bees are just there. The the male ones are just there kind of relaxing and not doing anything <laughs> so they have it kind of flipped over there <laughs> so uh, there's some parallels to life i think <laughs> yeah i agree i agree definitely that movie shows a patriarchal society so i i think that's what that's what i that's why it's very inaccurate <laughs> mm-hmm. turning to gmr gmr tell us about your project tell us about girl innovation Well, Girl Innovation, the kind of way that I got into it was the first time I saw the gender gap in technology. It was actually when I was in fifth grade, I was going to a camp called CTY, and I wanted to take a course on forensic science, but my dad signed me up for robotics without telling me. (laughs) And the first time I got there, I was really mad. I didn't want to take it. It was 11 guys, and I was the only girl with one other girl. And we get there and the guys start trying to intimidate us. They keep going, oh, you can't win. You don't know robotics. I have past experience. You're never going to be able to beat us in the challenges. So the girl and I, we decide to team up. And in every challenge, we ended up beating them, even though we had zero robotics experience beforehand. And that was pretty much the first time I saw the gender gap in technology. And I kept seeing it throughout middle school. So in the summer of 2018, I decided to create Girl Innovation. And pretty much what Girl Innovation is, is it's a two-part program. It has the summer program where we get 15 girls from underprivileged areas in Puerto Rico, and we teach them basics in robotics, computer science, and cybersecurity. And we do that every Saturday for the whole summer. And for our semester-long program, we pick two to three girls from that camp that we see have a true fascination with robotics. And we go them, we take them to the mentorship program. And in that mentorship program, what we do is... We like to show them the different opportunities they are there are in technology. So we go and we put them in different competitions and different opportunities for them in technology to show them that it's a real industry and they really should join. And in our first year of the mentorship program, the two girls actually ended up semifinalists in a nationwide competition, which was really cool. The second year, sadly, was cut short due to COVID. But in response, we decided to create Girl Innovation Talks where we like to interview women in technology that have a good influence in that industry. And we ask them, oh, what challenges did you face in technology? Why did you get into this industry? What have you overcome joining this industry? And how has it helped you? So that even though we can't be in person and do the classes that we love doing, we can still reach many girls outside of Puerto Rico now and show them the different opportunities in tech and really get them to join the industry and get motivated about technology. That's amazing. I love it. I actually, I think I can, I might be able to hook you up with some speakers for your girl innovation talks. So that'd be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so the two of you, you're you're my kind of girls, as I would say. I actually, I'm a mom of three girls, so um, I'm always trying to empower them and and show them these things. They're they're not very much into tech. Um, unfortunately, I, I say, I'm like, you know, the world runs on tech. So, so I'm trying to motivate them. So you can probably help me out in that department. And Juan Carlos, what did you think of, of GMR's, you know, initiative? what do you think? Hi, everybody. Well, first of all, of course, very proud, you know, uh, to be uh, the father of uh, uh, ladies like this, that they do amazing things, right? Um, I work in technology, uh, so I saw that gender gap every single day of my life. Bro. And um, basically, it's, it's, it's quite funny what uh, Isa was telling. Probably it was a man who was, was making that film that thought, is it possible that the woman is the one that is working, has to be a male? Uh, exactly is what is happening today in technology. And, and, and something which is very important is that today, technology defines our society more than ever. And, and it's very important to, to realize that if technology is not made by women, men, and every part of the society, then it's going to be a problem in the future because it's going to be very polarized in one direction or the other. So to, to be part of just watch what Dia has been doing and the impact in those girls for me has been something amazing. I, I have a blast with them and, and you learn a lot. I mean, they came with an ideas that say, wow, it's amazing how those girls think uh, that that is, could be a, pot, a potential technology or solution or or, or, or a way to fix a problem. This is very, very fun. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and it, it's amazing how these things really start early on, like these gaps really start early on. I think like I see it in my girls that I, I, I don't know if it's like like this underlying tone in society overall, but they're, you know, I've heard them kind of saying, oh, well, I'm not good at math or, you know, I, I'm not good at science or they're also very artistic girls, like both um, their parents are on the creative spectrum. So maybe they're just not into science. I wasn't when I was young, but, um, but yeah, but it's difficult for me to, to listen to them. I'm like, you, you should, you can do this. I mean, I think you'd be great. My, my daughter, especially, I think she would be awesome at robotics and, and I'm trying to get her to take a coding class and she's just like, ah, I don't know. And, you know, so do you have any tips that you can offer? Like any, and if anyone wants to answer the question, like I'm opening it up on the, on the table, what do you think we could do to get girls more interested in the, in the tech spectrum? GMR, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things that helped me at least was just jumping right into it. I had this entire idea that I would hate robotics, but the second I got involved, I ended up loving it. And maybe it's not the whole idea because I don't like building robots. I, it's just not what I like, but I love the comp side. And that's what really dragged me into technology. The thing that we don't realize is technology has so much within it all we think is, oh, it's robotics. That's it. That's what technology is. But technology can do anything. You could do, you could do design with technology. You could program a robot to do stuff around your house with technology. You can program a dog. You can do anything with it. And that's what I think people don't realize. It's so stereotyped and so generalized. You just assume one thing. But the reality is there's so much within that. And that's, I think, how we can really get girls and 
people from minorities too, just to join technology. There's so much within it that we don't realize. Yeah, just to expose them, I guess. And I, I think I see this also in the entrepreneurial space. Um, I'm, I'm part of uh, an entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Puerto Rico, the Entrepreneurs Organization. And Isabel, for um, women entrepreneurs, you know, we're trying to recruit them all the time. It's not that they're hard to come by, but in, in general, they are harder to find. You have to see it first. You know what they say, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and that's so that's why it's so important to break those glass ceilings. We're constantly trying to recruit other women entrepreneurs. Um, so it's so exciting to me to see you as like an 18 year old, like just starting this this business. And I have some of your products, actually. <laughs> It's really cool. Oh, really? That's cool. I think they're great. I think they're great. Yeah. I, I've, used, I've used the soap and the chapstick, and I love seeing you at any of the affairs. You had a, a booth, an event that I went to, and I was like, oh, my God, B.A.V. Yes, yes. Um, We've been, it probably was Tourism Cares. I'm not exactly sure, but we did a lot of outreach um, with different organizations here on the island. And we were selling our products. We've been to the Para la Naturaleza Fair. We've been to Tourism Cares um, here in San Juan. We've been we've been around, and I'm excited to to say that everyone that purchases our products is always fascinated how you know this has been created by students. And this is a student-led initiative. And tell us about the project you started here um, at school at the at the rooftop. Yes, we are currently finishing up our construction on the first rooftop garden in St. John's. We currently just put up the irrigation system, so our plants are looking healthier than before. But um, yeah, it's been quite the ride. It all started um, probably year before COVID and it was during one of my yearly meetings with San Abria and we were just talking about you know bringing more green areas to St. John's and we started walking around the, the campus and we San Abria had this idea of doing it in this space on the roof and from then on you know we just became fascinated at the of the idea of you know creating this green space where teachers and students can become more involved in the environment and sort of have a breath of fresh air. And so we've created it, we've created it to be a outdoor classroom. So we have chalk wall, we have a different chairs. Our idea is to, to motivate students to, to plant. That's awesome. Well, I, I heard about the project. I, I haven't seen how it turned out, but I'm I'm anxious to get up there and and take a look. And we're making good use of our of our rooftop space. Yeah, it looks it's really, really beautiful. And whenever you go up there, I mean it's a different type of air. I mean, all of St. John's in the classrooms you have AC, but you don't really get that sort of fresh air. And when you step outside, it's it's really, really magical. Awesome. Well, you're you're leaving us a, a great legacy, I think, here at, at our in our urban campus. Yeah, I think the the goal wasn't really to have a legacy, but I think it comes one in one, and um, definitely it's been very inspiring to see how many students really do love um, nature and seeing 
their sort of their motivation when it comes to, you know, building irrigation systems or building um, hydroponics um, systems. And our collaboration with the hydroponics team has been very, very, very fun. And they're going to be, I think next week, they're going to be installing their, their system. So we're very excited to see our collaboration just flourish. So when we look at Condado and we see all of all of the buildings, there's a lack of green areas, um, not only um, in the in roofs, but also even in parks. And so bringing this green space to St. John's is really incredible as there's a lack of space. And now I think in New York, they're doing a lot of vertical gardening and that's the future. I mean, building roof rooftop gardens is the future of 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 gardening and I think it's it's a really tremendous addition to the Condado area. Not only does it help um provide pollen to our beehives here in St. John's, but it also provides positive outcomes to the community here in Condado. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a very very fun ride. Awesome. So what what are you guys looking forward to doing in the future? Do you have any plans, Gia, that related to this project? Like you're going to be going you're going away to college, so are you planning to continue the project going forward? What what are you going to do? Well, um, I've recently started an ambassador program. So now we have a girl in Texas who wants to continue it over there and a girl in India too. And I have one of my own students who started with me in 2018, who is going to continue it in Puerto Rico once I leave. And hopefully the colleges I've been looking at are all that allow me to do girl innovation within that college. And we'll see what happens. But yeah, I do hope to continue it wherever I go. And I have made an effort to continue it back here and make sure that it keeps running here and hopefully be able to visit in the summers and see how it goes to keep track that it all runs smoothly and stuff. <laughs> That's so great. That is really, really awesome. So I wish you the best in that. What about you, Isabel? What's going to happen with B&B when you're in college? So currently I'm mentoring two 10th graders to take over B&B as co-presidents. And currently we're still deciding on what the board is going to look like. But um, they're really passionate about this initiative and Um, uh, they love the idea of gardening and bees and, you know, teaching students and that community outreach. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do um, with the project in the next few years. And definitely um, when I go to college, I'll, I'll, I'll help them out from abroad. But um, I'm excited to see what what they can accomplish. That, that is just totally awesome. You guys are both awesome. I'm so proud of you, you know, just putting the name of St. John's, you know, uh, up there and, and making us all proud. But Juan Carlos, tell us, wh what has it meant to you to be a mentor for Gia and, and watching her in this process, you know, and, and taking on this leadership role? Well, uh, besides, um, I, I have so much fun because it was amazing to be with all those girls and listen to what they, they think and what they do. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned a lot about the the interest that uh, those uh, women have in technology. Uh, it is amazing that some of them, they just came from Vieques just to, to have the opportunity to, 
to interact with a robot, to code and unlearn technology. So to learn about that passion was uh, was amazing. Um, and the other thing that I learned is that uh, if you use the power of uh, teaching, you know, uh, helping others to have access to the technology, they get very involved. And when they get involved in technology and they understand that they can use it not only to create a, a spaceship, you know, you can do it for doing uh, piano or, or doing music or doing art. I mean, a technology has many, many applications. So when they are involved, they really get attached to that. So one of the problems that we have that the women are not, or women or other uh, classes are not involved in technology is probably a problem of education on giving them the challenge to, 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 to be involved and learn. So that's, that's what's my, my, my spirit and my, my first sense in this project, you know, just listen, learn, and see those girls growing was amazing for me. Yeah, we want we want to give them more access, right? So they so and empowerment, so they know they can do it. What are some of the challenges that you have faced, um, Gia and Isabel, in you know becoming a, a a leader in in each of your projects? I don't know, Gia, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges I had was just finding out how to start. So when I first got the idea to start Girl Innovation, it was because of a competition that I was invited to beforehand for another project I had. And there I learned about Aspire IT. And in Aspire IT, they showed different people doing different projects. They were doing their own little projects. It could be some of them were doing it in STEM in general. Some were doing showing girls science experiments. And that's really what made me want to start Girl Innovation, but it was the how. How do I do it? How do I start? How do I get my project out there and get girls to actually join? And that was really one of the biggest challenges I had. But eventually what I just did was I tried to talk to everyone that I could. I got people from that competition. I was like, hey, how did you start your program? What did you do? How was it easier for you to create your own, pro your own project? And that's really what helped me out. It was just reaching out and trying to talk to as many people as possible to try to get my project out there and also to make my project be organized and make sure that it's working and that it can actually help girls all around. So I think that would definitely be one of the biggest challenges that I face while creating Girl Innovation. What about you, Isabel? So I would say my one of my biggest challenges definitely at the start was just the idea of bees. You know, a lot of people are afraid of bees and they don't really see them as important. So bringing, bringing this awareness and starting this initiative about bees, you know, a lot of people, you know, made fun of it or they would say they would really criticize the idea of why bees. I mean, they're just tiny, tiny creatures, you know, that, that sting you. But um, as the years went by, and people really started to realize the magnitude of this initiative and how how just a simple idea came to be this big initiative that has helped so many students and so many communities. I think it's, it's really inspiring to see um, the growth of this initiative. And I feel like that's, we're in a good place in respect to um, how people view this initiative, which in the start was, was not what it was. So we shouldn't be afraid. Like I, I, for one, you know, when I see a bee, I get nervous too. Like I'm afraid of getting stung. <laughs> oh no, me too. I mean, um, when I started this initiative, I would also get scared whenever I would go to the, to the beehive. And, um, but slowly but surely you realize that they're not purposely stinging you. 
you know, you, I, at least the times that I've gotten stung has been me stepping on them accidentally. When a bee stings you, um, they actually die. So the, the stinger that is inserted into your skin, what happens is pulls out all of their, their organs, most of them, and, um, then they have to fly back to the hive. So typically from the moment they sting you, they have about six to eight minutes, um, of life left. So it's not a lot, but um, but definitely they go and and you know let the other bees know where they where they got where they stung someone, and um, that's why when when they say that you get stung, you need to run because all of the pheromones of the bees they're able to to pinpoint where it is the exact point that um, that bee stung someone. So definitely when you get stung you should run. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, I had no idea about this stuff whatsoever. So it was really interesting learning about these little details that come to make the life of a bee. Isabel, can you tell us about who your mentors are in, in this project? So definitely, I would say my mom is a huge mentor. I mean, she's the one who really motivated me and kept kept me um inspired throughout these past few years you know she's been a huge support system and definitely Rosalia Eifert she has been a wonderful advisor and from the moment that I started the initiative I knew I wanted her as an advisor she keeps people in check and she's very very efficient and a, a loving person so I knew from the start that I wanted her as as one of my mentors and then I would say my third one is Professor Bert Rivera Marchand He's a biology professor in La Interamericana of Bayamón. So he's been he's been giving me a lot of scientific um, research and a lot of help um, regarding to the specifics of, of bees and how to take care of them. And then my fourth one would be Willy from Para Naturaleza. He's the one who has allowed us and helped us um, help him with his um, beehives in Hacienda La Esperanza in Manatí. So he's been a huge mentor in teaching us how to take care of bees in Manatí and using those different sizes of beehives. Gia, can you tell us about what it's like to have your dad as a mentor? I mean, my dad is incredibly smart, I would say. Sometimes he knows so much that when he tries to describe something, he'll get so excited about how he knows it that it'll take an hour describing it. But the good thing about that is he doesn't only explain the question you ask, but he explains the why to it. Every time I ask him a question, I know I will learn what I asked, but I will also learn the origin of why I asked what I asked. And I think that's one of the greatest things about him. I always know that if I go up to him with a question, I will know every single answer possible to that question. And it truly has helped me out a lot with Girl Innovation. He's also been a great help during the, the camps. Um, he leads the part of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is what he does in his company. And he really do, does a really good job at teaching the girls cybersecurity and everything about it. And honestly, without that, Girl Innovation wouldn't be what it is today. But it's really great to have my dad. Um, I can always ask him anything, anytime. I mean, he lives with me. I can ask him constantly. I'm never lost. <laughs> but it's also a really good comfort to have him there. It's good to know that even if I do make a mistake, I can go to him and he will help me out to fix it. 
and still care for me at the same time. He won't get mad. He'll help me out and make sure everything goes well. And I really love that about him. It's great to have him as a mentor. You heard that, Juan Carlos. Like, it, you know, you, you have this on recording, so <laughs> you can play this back. <laughs> I, I recorded. I want a copy of this, please. <laughs> awesome. Juan Carlos, what do you think that taking on an initiative like this or starting a project like this does for, for a girl and for her self-esteem? Well, um, when you hear Isa and, and Gia, uh, how they face problems and fix problems and they overcome all that, I think from my perspective, that is the, the, the biggest uh, learn that they, they take from, from this uh, project. Uh, in life, uh, you know, it's a good quality to understand what's the problem and how you fix it and uh, move on and have that energy and that positivism that you have a challenge, you have a problem and you fix it and you go to the other one. So I think that to be exposed at the early age, you know, in that kind of uh, skills is, is amazing. And the other, uh, I don't know a lot about Isa, but from, from here, you know, how they can handle uh, a group of girls and, and, and control the situation and create the, the today we're going to learn those things and, and pay attention to the people that is learning, that is not learning and, and helping, uh, you know, one of them. Uh, I, I think that is a very good quality, especially if you in the future want to be a leader, because one of the big, big qualities in a, in a leader is to, to listen to your, your team, uh, to help the one that really needs uh, support. And that is something I for sure they, they, they both learn how to, how to do it at a very early, early age. So I congratulate them. They are amazing women and, and I'm proud of both of them. Awesome. What advice would each of you offer other girls who perhaps have an idea, um, are thinking about it, but might be afraid to start? Gia? Well, one thing I learned from a competition I went to in eighth grade. Um, this is a nationwide competition and I got fifth place, but I obviously really wanted to get first place. But something I learned from that competition was look at who won. Look at the winner. Learn from their project. What did she do that I didn't do? Or what did they do that I could include in my project to make mine stronger? And what you do is you look at that and you incorporate it into your own with your own twist. So that then the next time you are competing or the next time you create a project, you're the one that people look to. You're the one that someone says, oh, she did this. I want to do that in mine to make mine stronger. And I think that's the biggest thing you could learn. Don't get frustrated if you didn't win or if you don't, if the outcome wasn't what you wanted. Instead, learn from it and change it for the next one so that the next time it is the outcome you want or even better. I think that's the advice I would give everyone. If they are creating a project or whether it be a random thing they want to do in life, I think it applies to pretty much everything. That's great advice, Gia. Isa, what about you? What do you think? So I believe, you know, leadership is an attitude and one must stay positive and motivated even when situations feel impossible. Um, but, you know, in reality, they aren't impossible. So I think really staying focused and um, positive is what really um, helps bring out your, your leadership skills. You know, I also believe that um, something that really helped me out when I started my initiative is asking questions and asking for help. You know, you shouldn't be scared about asking your mom or asking a friend or asking a teacher to help you out with something. I think, you know, it takes a village to create 
an initiative or any project and teamwork. I mean, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be where I am today with my initiative if it weren't for um, all of the support of the members and of the, and of the student leaders that are within the initiative. Awesome. Isa, tell us about the outreach your project has had. So one of our most in, incredible aspects of this initiative, BAB, has been our collaboration with the public and private schools. We've worked with a private school in San Ignacio and Maria Reina, and we've also worked with um, public schools, just like Escuela Rodrigo Sao Crespo, and with them we've created PBL projects And um, within those PBL project projects, the students have created their own gardens. They have created their own sort of products. We've really honed in on lecturing them on the importance of taking care of their surroundings and of bees. And we've done fun activities with them. And next time I'll show you guys um, a video of, of them dancing and singing to a song that they wrote about bees. So it's it's been really, really cool. and. That school actually won the best PBL in their region of Jabucoa, um, of about bees. So it, it's been really fun and inspiring to see how happy these kids are to talk about bees and to learn about them. So it's been really refreshing. Yeah, That's awesome. It's the, the gift that keeps on giving. All right. Thank you both for being here. I'm so proud of you both and your mentor. Uh, this was your host, Christina Villalong, for Voices of SJS. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to subscribe and give us an awesome five-star review. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Voices of SJS is a SJSPR.radio podcast. Our host for this edition was Christina Villalong. It was produced by Pilar Alamo and Ezequiel Rodriguez Andino. We use the song Taco by Crowander under a non-commercial Creative Commons 4.0 international license. Thanks for listening. Until next time.